Hello and welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brecker and thank you so much for coming back to the show. On this episode, I am doing a voted on episode. This is the Scream from 1996 Kill Grade. Thank you so much for coming back to the show. And before we get things started, it is now officially the spooky season. The spooky season is upon us. October is right around the corner, and that means all sorts of awesome things are happening right now. So this is a little PSA for you guys to be checking your local theaters and seeing what all is coming out, because a lot of movie theaters like to do uh, re-screenings or re-releases of older uh, horror movies at this time of year. I know that, uh, at least at my theater, that they do some Universal Monster movies uh screenings they do a lot of like double features like dracula and the wolfman is a double feature that they do around here in south carolina so be sure that you are checking your local theater lineups just to make sure that you aren't missing on some fun uh, rewatch experiences by going to the theaters for those and also scream 2 is coming out in theaters again on october 9th and 10th so be sure that you don't miss out on these really fun experiences scream 2 would be one of those movies That would be so fun to experience in the theaters because of that crazy opening act and seeing how wild that theater is while you're in a theater watching it. I have a feeling that that would be so much fun. So if you're a 90s kid like me, and by 90s kid, I mean like an actual like child, not a teenager in the 90s, you missed out on stuff like this. So take advantage of this time of year when there's all sorts of awesome things going on. Now, before we get to the kill grade today and start looking over the kills from Scream, I want to thank HorrorPress. HorrorPress.com is such an amazing website. This is also the time of year that you guys want to be checking out things that's going on on websites such as HorrorPress. And an article that caught my eye published by Alex Warwick is something called Quaint and Badass, a list of the best witches. And this is a cool, fun editorial from Alex just detailing a list of different witches from all sorts of different movies and TV shows. And there's some on here that I would have never really thought of as a like quaint witch or a witch in general, but there are some caveats in here that he has, such as Mary Poppins and even Rita Repulsa from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So be sure to go check out Horror Press. There's all sorts of other fun articles on here. There is a new uh, review on there about the movie Pearl, the sequel to X that Ty West put out. So there's all sorts of stuff on there. Be sure to go check out HorrorPress.com for any movie reviews, editorial stuff for horror TV shows, and even uh, horror gaming. So HorrorPress.com, what an amazing website. Links in the show notes. Alright guys, let's go ahead and start getting into the Scream kill grade. This is going to be a little bit different. Normally I do a point-based system, but today I want to try to make these kill grades a little bit more conversational. So I'm going to be doing letter grades that are kind of more of a holistic view instead of just looking at three to four different categories alone. So it'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be a ranking letter grade and everything. So let's go ahead and get started. now. It's bar trivia night. You are the chosen horror fan, the horror knowledge person on your team. And you finally get this question. Who is the first kill 
and scream. Point blank. If you say Casey Beckard, you are absolutely wrong. I'm sorry. That's the wrong answer. And I always kind of forget about this first sneaky little kill that we get in the movie, which is Steve. He's big and he plays football and he'll kick the shit out of you. I'm getting you scared. I'm shaking in my boots. He was big. He played football. But he did not kick the shit out of Ghostface. And that is what it will say on his epitaph. Uh, so Steve, Steve Orth, this is a fun, sneaky little kill that we get in the opening scene of Scream. Uh, there's so many things that I find interesting about this kill when watching it for this Kill Great episode. So let's kind of backtrack a little bit about what's actually going on in the scene. I know it's an iconic classic horror scene. Everybody knows what's going on. Casey's getting those creepy phone calls from Ghostface. She's running around locking the doors. The doorbell's ringing. She is terrified. And I found out for the first time in this that you can actually see Steve in the background at the time mark four minutes and 25 seconds into the movie. This is before that sadistic little uh, Q&A horror trivia game goes on between Ghostface and Casey. It's when she's like screaming, answering the phone and everything. And if you look behind her, you can see her glass doorway to the backyard um, and she's not facing it. And you can see Steve is out there before she even sees. I, that was very creepy to see. And I love that continuity that they just had him out there already. So what I find the most interesting thing about Steve's death scene here is that I don't really find myself terrified for Steve. We don't know Steve. We've never met him. In fact, we have a far more connection with Casey Beckard in here. Besides being a beloved actress, uh, you know, Drew Barrymore, we're seeing that she, you know, she's pretty playful. She's a horror fan. You know, she's renting movies. Her favorite one is Halloween. And we are identifying with her super early on in the movie. And we are tr like, we're, the camera is tracking her throughout this gorgeous house. And during this game, we're wanting to answer the questions for her because we know the answer is a little bit better than she does. So while Casey is playing this sadistic, um, Q&A game with Ghostface, this horror trivia game at Steve's expense, we should be scared for Steve, right? Because it is actually his life that is on the line here. But his death works in a way in that he's able to project his demise onto Casey. And that is what makes us so much more fearful for her because we've identified with her and Steve is a good foreshadowing of what is a potential outcome for Casey. This is, a, you know, an act of violence that can happen to her. It's really a demonstration of what Ghostface is capable of. So that's like what is so interesting about this kill, I think, is because I never watch it going, oh man, I hope Steve makes it out, out of this. It's me going, fuck, I really hope that this doesn't happen to Casey in this. So that's why I think that this kill is so interesting. And the method of slaying here is just incredible. It is a quick disembowelment. While the kill happens off screen, we do get some nice face acting from Steve Orth here. And, you know, when the lights come back on, we see just all of his guts. It's basically his whole abdomen. It's ripped open. You can see steam coming from the pool and a little bit of his guts. His forehead is bloody. He's duct taped and bound to this poor chair. Um, I love how I said the chair was poor, not him. Um, and his knees are all fucked up too. This is something that stuck out to me as well, is that his knees are bloody and his jeans are all scratched up or torn up. I really need like the 20 minute Netflix episode of Stu and Billy kidnapping Steve because I have to know how the fuck do they do this? 
did they bash him over a head over his head and that's why his forehead is bloody what the fuck did they do to his knees to make his knees like that um I also wonder, like, did they go just full Dexter Morgan on him, drug him, and then just beat the shit out of him because they're just sick fucks? I really don't know. I mean, I I would like to know more about how they got him. So anyways, Steve's kill. Love it. I'm going to be giving it a grading of a B. Not a B plus or B minus, but I think like a nice cozy B is really good. Um, I wish I could give this more because it is super graphic and gory, and it is a terrifying scene i would give it more if the kill itself happened on screen uh because we do cut away very quickly for the disemboweling to actually happen but just that the shock of seeing how opened up he is and everything is just horrific and is terrifying and again it's projecting the fear of fuck this could happen to casey I'm going to give it a lot of praise and uh, give it a grading of a B. And it's going to be ranked number four on my list out of the kills here from today. Let's go on to the next kill of the movie, which is, of course, Casey Beckard. Man, oh man. Talk about just a horrific ending to one of the best cold opens to a movie i think ever especially in horror people could definitely say that casey was a fighter um i love how much we're tracking her throughout the house i love that we're seeing that you know she got some questions wrong some questions right during the little uh, sick game that she had with ghostface but i love seeing that she actually gets out of the house and she's hiding and we get that brief moment of seeing that she is no longer in the eyesight of ghostface as he walks through the hallway and she has this window this she has this opportunity to just dart to just sprint towards the driveway and go all the way to the end and if she would have she would have definitely gone safety to her parents that is not what happens she runs out sees ghostface through the window ghostface jumps her chases her again we're getting an awesome chase scene in the beginning of scream which i think chase scenes are kind of uh you know a check mark in scream there's always good chase scenes in those movies except for the fifth one and then she is unfortunately met with her demise by a chest and neck stabbing disembowelment and then being hung from the tree. And then the neck stabbing is compounded with an emotional tie to it in that her poor mother is on the phone listening to all of this happen. It is just rough. Um, I will say I love that we do see how she, when she's being dragged to the tree, she's still alive, still kind of like, you know, calling for her parents. And she is still holding on to that damn phone. And I love how, like, the camera sort of, like, lets that, the her hand on the phone, that's, like, the last thing that we see in that frame. It just doesn't end, like, on her face or something. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting, and I, I really liked that. Because um, it's, you know, it's kind of showing that, like, the phone calls, the phone are going to be kind of a, a big cornerstone in, in, this, uh, in this movie and franchise. The killing itself, again, this one happens off screen. Well, does it happen off screen? Yes, because she's still alive when she's being dragged away. So, yes, the killing happens off screen, but I will reward it for having, uh, we get to see the chest stabbing and the neck stabbing uh, on the screen. And I do like that she actually gets to um, take off the mask of Ghostface and she gets to see who her killer was. 
uh, I do kind of enjoy all of that. We just don't really get to see the disembowelment and the hanging from the tree. Now, when her parents come outside and see all this, this is just fucking horrific. We're getting some, um, leading up to this, we're getting some great Dutch angles in this. Um, her dad is quoting Halloween, saying go down to the Kenzies. Um, and then we get an awesome scream from her mom. And again, we're getting this amazing, horrific visual of Casey being hung from the tree. Just like how we got a crazy little portrait of Steve, Steve's death. We're getting this crazy, horrific portrait of Casey's death. She is hung from the tree. Again, we see steam coming out of her like abdomen, out of her intestines. And if you look below her to the right, you can see like this little plump that are like her guts just on the ground right there. Um, God dang. It is just, it, it's so bad. It is so just horrific and terrifying. And it's now projecting the fear onto everything else. You're like, you're kind of like in the shoes of her parents walking in on this. You're also now like, fuck, this is, this could happen to literally any goddamn person in this movie. Um, so it's, it's a very effective kill and I love it. And that's why I'm giving it a grading of an A. Uh, I would have given it an A plus if we saw the full kill happen on screen, but you know, we only see the chest and neck stab, which are good. Um, but we don't see like the hanging from the tree and all that, but, um, it's, it's, it's a fucking solid a, and the number one on my ranking list for this movie. The third and next kill in this movie belongs to principal Arthur Hembry, Mr. Hembry, played by Henry Winkler weird little tri piece of trivia that I saw for this movie is that Henry Winkler did not want to be credited in this movie. I guess he's not, he doesn't like show up in the credits. He's not in the poster or anything because he didn't want his name to steal away the, sh the spotlight from the much younger cast in this movie, which is, I don't know, kind of interesting. Not sure if Henry Winkler would have been a big draw to a slasher movie like this, but hey, it's really fucking fun that he's in this, I think. I wish I could say the same thing for his kill, so let's go ahead and get into that part. This whole death scene that we have with Hembry, it's it, it, it's interesting. It's at least fun in that it's creepy and it is scary. And we are kind of freaked out about what's going to happen to him at this point because, you know, we've had our two opening kills and we've had this weird ghost face fake out chase scene with Sydney in the bathroom. I think that wasn't actually Billy or Stu. I think that was just a student playing a prank on Sydney. That's at least my interpretation of it. We'll love to hear you guys' thoughts. Just tweet at me or DM me on Instagram at Brucker Horror. But we are getting this cat and mouse game with Hembry and Ghostface here. Ghostface is knocking at his office door. He keeps playing Ding Dong Ditch on him, which I kind of find funny. And also, it's like, well, it's kind of like all like the clues were there that Ghostface was a teenager, was one of the high schoolers the whole time. Because, I mean, I know this movie kind of does the red herring with Hembry himself and Sydney's dad, and even the the sheriff, and e even a little bit of Dewey as well, but it's just obvious that the whole time that, you know, looking back, that it was a high school student, and I think this is one of the points of evidence for that. Ghostface is fucking playing Ding Dong Ditch <laughs> with, the, with the principal in the school. 
um, which I kind of find funny. I love how we're seeing how Hembry is kind of exploring the school some. We get that meta joke with the Freddy, the janitor that's dressed up like Freddy Krueger, and he has the same hat and everything. But then when he walks back into his office, turns out Ghostface was just hiding behind his office door. Which I now wonder if like this was kind of like the plan with Stewie and Bill that like one of them was out of costume doing the ding dong ditching, just trying to get him out of his office and then Ghostface went and hid in there. Or the person dressed up as Ghostface went and hid in there. I wonder if that's like what actually happened here. I don't know. Anyways, when Ghostface approaches him, we do get to see some stabbings on screen. Um, I mean, they're just below the screen, I guess. Uh, we do see the stabbings, and we do see the the bloody squibs all over uh, Winkler's chest and everything. And then we get the reflection of Ghostface in the eyes of Principal Hembry, which is cool and everything. But we never actually see the final blow from this. And then cutting all the way towards like the end of the movie, Hembry's death is used as a distraction for the people at Stu's party to get them to leave because they get a phone call saying that Hembry has been killed and that he has been strung up and hung up by the school's football field's uh, field goal goalposts. I actually kind of would have liked to see that, and I wonder if there's like a really bad draft of Scream 4 somewhere out there in which Hembry actually survived and wasn't killed or maybe was in on all this because we never actually see him get killed. And that phone call could have very easily just been like a crank call from Ghostface to just get the partygoers to leave, uh, w- whether or not Hembry was actually hung up by the goalpost or not. Um, again, I would have liked to have seen, seen all that. I hate that so much of this happens off screen and it's kind of quick. I will say it is scary, but it's not as scary and it's very tamed compared to the first two kills that we got in this movie. So I'm giving this kind of a low grading. I'm, give, I'm giving this a grade of a D minus. Um, and I believe that this is actually the lowest grade I gave on this. And I gave this ranking number seven as bottom of the barrel for this movie. Um, I talked to some people over at Horror Press and some people on the Autopsy of a Horror Movie Discord. And a lot of people agreed that Principal Hembry has the worst kill in this movie. I don't think there's much else to say besides the cat and mouse was fun, but the kill itself is very much lacking from this death scene. Would have very much liked to have seen him actually hung up from the goalpost. Is that you, Randy? In what movie is this from? I spit on your garage. Lose the outfit. If Sydney sees it, she'll flip. Oh, you want to play psycho killer? Can I be the helpless victim? Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Tatum is an amazing horror character. She is so fun. She had so much attitude. And I, she's probably like one of the most quotable people from this besides Stu Mocker from his movie. I, I just, uh, Tatum is such a cool character. I really wish that we got to see her and Sydney be roommates in the next movie when, they, uh, when Sydney went to college. Uh, that just would have been so much fun. But this movie has to have stakes, and Tatum Riley is just a casualty of that, unfortunately. So everybody goes to Stu's party that he's hosting, and this is just like a crazy, you know, just second half of the movie at, at Stu's party. 
Um, Stu is wearing this <laughs> this like silk red Hugh Hefner robe at this party, which I think is kind of hilarious. And he goes over to Tatum and asks her to go get more beer at the uh, from the fridge in the garage. Uh, she goes there, and when she comes back in, she is stopped by Ghostface, and then we we get another chase scene in this movie, and they, I gotta say, I gotta give a lot of credit to Wes Craven here and the, and the writers for this, because they made a chase scene in just a garage, like, that's so hard to do, a chase scene in a single room, like, think about that, you know, she didn't, like, run through the house, she didn't run through the yard, uh, they easily could have done something like that, but they kept this all contained to the garage, and I, that's something that I fucking love about this movie, there's so many awesome set pieces that are just, like, set to single locations, we get Casey's house, everything at the school, and now everything at Stu's party, and even within the party, everything's stuck inside this garage, it's so good, I fucking love this, and then we even get the whole scene, the, the chase scene, just in that jeep with Casey later on, or I'm sorry, with Sydney later on, it's so good, god, this movie's fucking genius, I love it, anyways, I'm I'm going to be geeking out this whole fucking time. We get this chasing in the garage. And I love it that we see how much of a fucking fighter Tatum is in this. She uh, breaks a beer bottle over Ghostface. She slams him in the head with the freezer door. Um, she, she's a fucking stud. I think that, you know, if we were to have given her a third attack on Ghostface, that she probably would have made out of this. But uh, she, you know, she does the, the dummy move and she tries to escape through the doggy door. She gets stuck, and Rose McGowan has actually been on record saying that she actually was kind of too thin, and she fit through the door just fine, so they kind of, like, had to do some, like, sneaking, like, cutting and editing around this, because she was a pretty thin girl, and, you know, she could definitely fit through this, but anyways, uh, she gets trapped in this, and then we get this goofy-ass death in this, and I mean that so respectfully, um... This death scene is really something that belongs in a Final Destination movie. But she gets trapped in the doggy door. Ghostface activates the garage door, lifting her up, and then her head gets fucking crushed. Um, it's pretty obvious that it's a dummy head, but I like that we actually get to fucking see it. it it's, it's pretty good. Um, it's, it, it, what makes this kill, I think, effective is that it's, it's the humor and the chase that we get from it. It's not necessarily the kill itself, um, because everything I just described with the chase and how much she fights back, it's really fucking awesome. And you think that she's going to get away for a split second, but then she doesn't. Um, so her official method of death is that she was crushed by the garage door and left hanging. It's a very unique kill. It's actually one of the only kills in this franchise that isn't just a knife stabbing. And we actually get to fucking see the violence. Like, we get to see her head being crushed. So, as goofy and everything as it is, I'm going to reward this as an A- minus of a kill. Which, I kind of went back and forth a little bit between do I want to be in the B range or the A range for this, but... I did think about for a second whether or not I wanted this to be my favorite kill from the movie, just because it's so memorable, and it's so unique from everything else in this. It kind of, um, it really broke the mold in, you know, how things play out in this movie, and that, you know, it's not a knife stabbing. So, I'm going in with an A-, minus, and I'm giving it a ranking number two. I'm, I'm making it my second favorite kill from this movie. And then, after she dies, 
we get this fucking hilarious moment of Ghostface just opening up the door and he just slinks back into the party. It's fucking just great. I, I love it so much. And I, I kind of laugh unintentionally uh, every time I fucking see that. It's so good. But goddamn, I still wish that she would have made it into the next movie. Ugh. Oh, well. We are now about halfway through the movie and the body count is up to four. So let's see who all we have left. Now, moving on to the next kill in this movie. This is kill number five, and it is Kenny. Kenny Brown is the next victim here, and his method of death was a quick slash across the neck. This kill has absolutely, like, none of the trappings that we got from all the other ones. It was very quick and rushed. It's technically part of a chase scene, such that it's not his chase scene. It's the beginning of Sydney's. He just happens to be stuck in someone else's chase scene that he didn't fucking mean to. This is when, you know, Sydney has fled Stu's house. She got to the van, and Kenny is watching the, you know, live feed from Stu's party. And this is when that, that 30 second delay comes and bites him in the ass. Because as they're watching the live feed and he's about to kill uh, Randy, we see that Ghostface decides not to and exits the house. And that's when Kenny's like, ah, fuck, the 30-second delay. Turns around, boom, there's Ghostface, slid across the neck, he fucking dies. Poor Kenny, he was just a human punching bag to Gale. He was doing his best. I fucking love the... I just love his wardrobe in this movie. Can I, like, take a moment to say that? I love the snapback hat. The fucking jacket he's wearing that says the top story, story, story. I want that goddamn jacket, folks. Um, it, poor Kenny, man. Uh, he also looks like a Kevin Smith stand-in a little bit. But um, yeah, it, there's not a whole lot to say besides later on, Kenny is, um, <laughs> we get another scare from him and that when Gail gets to the van and she's trying to escape, uh, his blood drenches the windshield. And, you know, that's when she does, like, you know, the, the windshield wipers and just smears it everywhere. And then Kenny rolls down. Um, first off, Kenny's, Kenny's easy 200 pounds. Easy, okay, at the lightest 180. Like, he's an easy 200, I think. How the fuck did just Billy or just Stu, at this point it's just Stu, how does Stu get him up there? Totally protected, yo. I am so buff. I got you covered, girl. I know Stu did say that he's so buff, man, but, like, Come on, really? This? I don't know. It's a good scare and everything. And then we get that comedic relief of Gail yelling, uh, Kenny, get the fuck off my car. So I feel like I've kind of said everything I had to say about Kenny's death. There's not a whole lot to say. Um, so I'm going to give this a ranking of a C minus. It's awesome that we actually see it happen on screen. There's lots of blood and it's used later on as another scare. But um, I don't know. You know, it's not particularly amazing or anything but i don't see it as a complete failure or a bomb so i'm gonna give it a c minus and i am giving it a ranking at sixth on my list of this movie so just right above principal hembry hello no stew 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 what's your motive billy's got one the police are on their way what are you gonna tell them peer pressure 
I'm far too sensitive. I'm gonna rip you up, you bitch! Just like your fucking mother! You gotta find me first, you pansy-ass mama's boy! Fuck! Ah, fucking hit me with the phone, dick! Fucker, where are you? Alrighty, we have come to the final two kills in this movie. So at kill number six, victim number six, who is not at the hands of Ghostface, but is one of the Mr. Ghostfaces himself, Stu Mocker is killed by Sydney here. Um, we are at the pivotal, just monumentous, amazing third act. This whole reveal scene with Billy and Stu and Sydney in the kitchen, it's fucking bonkers, and I love it. And Matthew Lillard is swinging for the goddamn fences here, and he's just doing a fantastic job. And it's crazy, just like, I'm going to speak a little bit here about Stu. It's crazy the performance that we get from Matthew Lillard in this movie, because he is kind of overacting in this. I mean, he is swinging for the fences, but it works. I think that if anybody else were to replicate this and try to do this crazy overacting like he's doing it would come off as poor cheesy and people wouldn't like it but Matthew Lillard has that fucking golden touch you know he has that Midas touch he knows what he's doing here and it's just it's excellent so good so anyways where should we say Stu's death actually begins because him and Billy start to stab each other to, to frame Sydney's dad and then we get this moment where you know, Stu's sweater is drenched in his own blood. He can barely pick up the phone to have a conversation as Sydney is now ghost facing them and is having them do this sadistic kind of like cat and mouse chase with her. And he says, you know, you're feeling a little woozy here. I think I'm dying, man. We get all those awesome lines from him. So does his death begin with Billy stabbing him? And like, would he have succumbed to the blood loss eventually if it weren't for this next part, stage two of his death, in which him and Sydney are wrestling in the living room. He is on top of her, choking her, in which he reveals that he's always had a thing for her. Um, Sydney then bashes a vase over his head. She knocks over that big old bubble TV, smashes his head, and then electrocutes him. So, I guess you could say his official death was caused by crushing and electrocution by a big-ass 90s TV. I still question, would he have succumbed to the blood loss from Billy eventually if it weren't for this? One of those unanswerable questions, but um, this death scene, it's pretty good. Um, it's kind of satisfying to see a Ghostface, you know, member die. I, you know, we get to see it. It's unique, again, this wasn't like another stabbing, and just kind of realizing this is one of the other non-stabbing ones. Um, and it's cool that we're seeing our final girl fucking step up, and even though she's had sex, she's not going to fucking die. She's going to crush some skulls, baby. Um, so I think I'm going to give this, I'm stuck between a B plus and A minus. Um, I think I'm going to go B plus, just because it's not over the top in you know prosthetics or gore or anything like that, while his sweater is still drenched in blood, it's not from, you know, the, the final blow of this. I think I would have pushed it over the top for me into the A range, is that if the electrocution then caused him to combust into flames, then we're talking A material there, but B plus is still very good, you still get degrees with that, so um, I'm going to give Stu Mocker's death here a B plus, and making him my fifth overall kill in this ranking number five
the supposedly dead killer comes back to life for one last scare. Not in my movie. Billy Loomis. Probably the most satisfying kill from Scream, I believe. It's one of the most satisfying kills, I think, in most of the series, um, excluding, I think, Jill. I think Jill's another pretty satisfying death that we get out of the whole franchise. What I find so interesting about the fans of Scream is that I, you know, I went to the WordPress Discord and I went to the Autopsy of a Horror Movie Discord just asking folks, you know, Scream, 1996, off the top of your head, favorite kill, least favorite kill from these movies. A lot of people said Henry Winkler is their least favorite, but almost everybody said Billy as their favorite kill from the movie, which I find fascinating because I don't think about Billy's death as like one of my favorite kills from this movie. I mean, I immediately go to Casey and Tatum, um, but you know, fascinating. Let's break down this kill scene and see what is to appreciate and praise from this moment. Billy's death, I think kind of, I kind of want to start this with, I'll backtrack a little bit with before Stu actually dies. And what is a very cool little sprinkle of awesomeness in this whole third act is that in the background, John Carpenter's Halloween is being played over the TV and we can kind of hear, we can hear the movie in the background and they kind of do their best to sort of sync up the movie with events that are happening at Scream to kind of like mirror it some and that's very fun. and. We get a moment like that here, starting with Billy, as he is trying to chase down Sydney, who has now donned the ghost face outfit. Sydney's hiding in the closet, and Billy is searching through the closet looking for her. And during all of this, we can hear that part in Halloween when Michael is trying to break through into the closet to get Laurie Strode. It's a pretty fun mirroring of it, in that, you know, both of them are the killers going after their final girls at the final act of the movie. Pretty fun. Love fucking stuff like that. That's, that's what makes this movie just a masterpiece. Anyways, Stu gets distracted, I think, by the movie because he looks away. And Dead Meat actually did a pretty cool video tour of this house. And they kind of realize how there's a bit of a continuity error here. And that it wouldn't make sense for Billy to turn the way that he did because the TV's on the other side of him. It's down the opposite side of the hall. So... Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but anyways, he turns his head. I'm assuming it's because he hears the movie getting louder or something. And this is when Sydney strikes. She hits him in the chest with the umbrella, and then she hits him again in the chest. And you can see Ulrich, the person, like the actual actor, screaming in pain because um, Nev Campbell missed the protective uh, chest plate that he had on. And she went just right over it and actually fucking like hit him in the chest with that umbrella. And that's actually him screaming in pain in that moment. Pretty cool little thing. I'm glad that they kept that in the movie. And then this is when Stu tackles her and they have their fight and she kills Stu. Her and Billy get into a bit of a scuffle and she, he is on top of her choking her, you know, saying, say hello to your mother. And then Sydney just goes full fucking ape shit. I love this stuff. She sticks her finger in this fucking umbrella stab wound in his chest, which of course hurts, making him like reel back in pain, exposing his chest, and then Gail Weathers comes in and shoots him in the chest, and he goes flying off of Sydney. Of course, we get the iconic thing from Randy about how this is the part in the movie when the killer has a surprise jump scare for one last scare in the movie. He does. Sydney fucking shoots him in the forehead between the eyes and says, not in my fucking movie. 
It is so good, Billy is officially dead. The official method of killing is being shot in the head by Sydney. I kind of get why this is a fun kill, and I kind of get why so many people like this now. I mean, it is incredibly satisfying. It kind of happens in three parts with the umbrella stabbing, the finger, the, the fingering in the umbrella wound, and he gets shot twice by our two kind of final girls here, final women. It's pretty good. Um, I still just, I, I don't have it beating anything else that I have already ranked so far, though. I mean, and by ranked, I mean what I've had, what I have in the top two. So I'm giving this an A minus, and it's mostly earning the the prestige of an A because of everything surrounding it. It's you know, it's it's a great third act. Everything with him at Sydney, it's a really fun reversal of the chasing because now she's in the ghost face outfit and everything. It's very bloody. You know, we actually get to see the violence. We get to see his death. We see everything with it. And it's a very satisfying, you know, little cherry on top of this horror movie. It, it's very good. So I'm giving it an A- and ranking it number three on my list from this movie. Alrighty, let's go ahead and do a quick recap. I'll go over my rankings again of this movie. So there were seven total kills in the movie Scream, and at number seven, at, down at the bottom, I have Principal Hembry. Thought it was a little bit too boring. Number six was Kenny. Little too quick. Do find it hilarious, though, that he was in someone else's chasing, that's why he got killed. At number five, it is Stu. Just, I just needed just a little bit more spice in it. I just needed a little bit more spice. Didn't hate it, but I just needed a little bit more. Number four is Steve, and the reason why I have Steve out beating Stu in this is that it was way more bloody, like, you know, we see his whole abdomen ripped open, and it was way scarier, so Stu is just below Steve in this. At number three, I have Billy, great scene, you know, it's still very satisfying, we get to see all that awesome violence, especially the, the finger going in the umbrella wound, it's fucking rad. Number two is Tatum. Uh, I just love the whole chase scene. I love it being condensed to a garage, and she's just a fucking rad person. I just loved everything about this. And it was a unique kill. It's fucking great. The number one is Casey Beckard. I mean, it's fucking iconic. It's goddamn terrifying. You see all of the guts and everything, and it's compounded with so much emotion. It's, uh, it's really fucking good. It sets the tone for the rest of the movie, and... It's one of my favorite kills in horror. Fucking love it. Before I wrap things up today, I'm going to give out one more award, and that is to my favorite, or what I'm calling the best almost kill award, and that is to the person from this movie that narrowly escaped, and that is Randy Meeks. He was fucking almost killed twice. We saw that Ghostface almost killed him on the couch. They almost stabbed him when he was kind of doing this, that funny meta joke. Jamie, Jamie, just look behind you, Jamie. That's pretty good. He was almost killed there. And he was shot by Billy, but he survived the shooting. So Randy nearly escaped just to make it to the second movie. All right, everybody, that is going to wrap up my kill grade for my fucking favorite horror movie ever, Scream from 1996. Thank you, everybody that voted on this. Please be sure to be following me on Twitter and Instagram at Brucker Horror. 
I would love to know how much you're liking the show. If you like this type of format for kill grades, a little bit more relaxed is what I was kind of going for. Uh, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Share me with friends and family. I would fucking love that. Recommend me to anyone that you think that would like horror movies. Um, and I want to give a big old thank you to the people supporting me on Patreon. That is Tiffany, James, and Cleveland. You guys fucking rule. If you want to support me and get some more bonus content, head over to patreon.com slash Horror or go over to the show notes. And lastly, I want to thank all the awesome people over at horrorpress.com. You guys are awesome. I love the editorial stuff that they do. And keep your eyes and ears peeled for a special announcement that they have involving me. Very excited about all of this. All right, guys. Have a fucking awesome October. I'll be back with another episode soonish. I'll see you guys next time. Be sure to watch some good movies. Bye. I'm feeling woozy, yeah.